Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 56th episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. How are you doing today, Jill? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing spectacular. I'm very excited about this one. We have our first ever repeat guest. We do. Um, so if people have been with us for a while which like since the beginning since the beginning our first ever author interview was with a at the time unknown debut author from the netherlands her name is marique nykamp and she wrote a book called this is where it ends that got to interview her i think it was in boston i don't even remember what city it was back in i think it was boston at ala midwinter yeah and at the time again completely unknown she wrote this book and it was getting a, a little bit of buzz ahead of time but you never know what's going to happen as a debut author. Well, now Marique is a number one New York Times bestselling author, and she's also the big library read choice for a little bit later in this month. So, yes, she is. Yes, she is. So she came back and she talked with us. She spoke with us. She talked with us. They, they, they both work, right? I think they both work. I think work. they both I think work. you're overthinking it. I'm super overthinking it. <laughs> um, but she discussed the title and its importance and why she thought people were intrigued by it for the Big Library program. Um, just a quick note, I want to let everyone know, she called us from the Netherlands, where she's from, and she was just getting over a sickness where she literally had no voice. So she's a little bit quiet, right? just because I wouldn't want to scream if I was yeah. getting over like the worst case of strep throat either. So we really appreciated her kind of coming and chatting with us. Um, that was awesome. Um, but again, her book is going to be the next Big Library Read. So for people who might not know about the Big Library Read, do you maybe want to give us some information on that? Sure. It is a global ebook club. Mm-hmm. Book club. I don't know why that phrasing is so weird. To I me. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is. It's it's a book club, but it's, it's all around the club, world. It's a book club, but it's ebooks, and mm-hmm. it's all around the world, um, where every the libraries have the same book available through Overdrive for all of their patrons to be able to read at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And it, like you said, people had voted on this. They voted and this was the winning yeah, title. Yeah, this was overwhelmingly the choice. Um, the Big Library Read starts October 13th and runs through the 27th. So basically, if you're listening to this and you want to partake, all you have to do is go to your library's Overdrive site. The majority of our libraries participate in the Big mm-hmm. Library Read. So you'll see this is where it ends front and center it'll be the first title on the site um, it's available for simultaneous use so you don't have to worry about any wait lists or holds or anything like that everyone can borrow it at the same time and then if you visit biglibraryread.com while you're reading we have a discussion board there that people can just share their thoughts um, because this is a little bit more of a serious title we also have discussion guides for both libraries and schools who might want to f- continue the conversation Uh, We also, for our libraries and schools, have marketing materials there. And then for all of our readers, we have uh, book recommendations based off of This Is Where It Ends. So once you finish the title, if you want to see some more recommendations on similar titles, uh, you have the ability to do that there. Um, So again, visit biglibraryread.com. There's a lot of great information on it. Um, I've read this book multiple (laughs) times. I am a huge champion. I love it so much. It's 
very powerful. Um, when I saw this was one of the titles that was being voted on, we of course had to be, you know, down the middle. We couldn't recommend people vote right. for any title, but secretly and silently, I was really hoping this one would yeah. win. I'll be honest. I just I feel very strongly about this book, so I really think people should read it. And Marie is one of the smartest people. Very on the planet. I know. Yeah, and I'll say that we we um, made sure to ask different questions this time around. Like this mm-hmm. is a very different interview. Yeah. So people can always go back to the first one we did with her mm-hmm. several I, months ago and yeah. get a more rounded. Yeah. yeah, it's really it's actually really cool to listen to the two of them together to hear a person who was about to release her first book and had no idea, and then get her thoughts about I know being on the New York Times bestsellers yeah. list and being recognized and all this fun stuff. So um, I really think people will enjoy it. Uh, and again, I can't stress this enough. Please read this book. It's very, very important that you read this book. It's Agreed. so good. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else people should know? How they can get a hold of us? Any of that good stuff? Yeah, they can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and they can email us at feedback at overdrive.com. Yes, we read can. all of those emails and always like getting them. So, yeah. all right. Well, we're not going to keep you guys any longer. I am excited for you to hear this second ever interview with Marique Nykamp, and you will enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast very much. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Adam and Jill from Team Overdrive, and today we are joined by Marie Nykamp, uh, the number one New York Times bestselling author of This Is Where It Ends, which was named a Publishers Weekly bestseller, a Barnes & Noble teen top pick, a Goodreads best book of the month in January of this year, and a 2016 ABC best book for young readers. Marie is also our first ever author to be on the Professional Book Nerds podcast more than once, and her book, This Is Where It Ends, has been overwhelmingly selected by our readers and librarians alike as the next Big Library Read Global Book Club selection. Marie, welcome back and congratulations. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be a writer as your profession? Oh, um, well, I think my, my background is mostly in history and philosophy. Um, I studied, studied medieval history um, at college, and I specialized in medieval um, philosophy and history of ideas, um, which is possibly the most useless <laughs> major you can have. I know I love doing it. It was so much fun, but I mostly did it because of the stories that I wanted to learn and and tell. And I've always been interested in stories and storytelling and the way we as people and as humanity use stories as a means of um, figuring out who we are, basically. So... Um, yeah, actually, I've been I've been writing since long before I went to college and, and started my quote unquote professional life. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's basically just always been a thing that's part of me and part of my life. 
And so for our listeners who may not have heard our first episode with you, um, would you mind letting them know a little bit about This Is Where It Ends? Maybe just a little bit of an elevator pitch. Yeah, sure. Um, so This Is Where It Ends is a story about a school shooting, and it takes place over the course of 54 minutes and follows four teens who all have their reasons to fear the boy with the gun. Of all the different books and genres that were up for voting during our Big Library Read survey, why do you think our readers selected This Is Where It Ends? Oh, goodness, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I, I hope it's just a, a story that fascinates people and that interests people. That's certainly why I wrote it um, a couple of years ago. It's, I mean, obviously school shootings are too unfortunately part of daily life and um, I think it's something that we all want to understand better and to get a uh, to get closer to and and to also understand what it does to the people in that situation so um, I think my my book just hits on that and and um, helps you get a little bit closer to it and then when we first talked back in January, the, the book had just come out. And so you were kind of just starting the whole process of promoting it and, and going through that. And this being your first book, how has your life changed? Maybe take us through your experiences that you've had this year since your book came out. <laughs> um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride in the last <laughs> couple of months. Um, yeah, so when we first spoke, I think... The book had been out for about a week. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and, and it was just, like, obviously amazing and getting used to it all and, and being able to walk into bookstores and finding the book there was like, the thrill of a lifetime. Um, and I, at that point, I just hoped that the book would resonate with readers and, and find a readership and do reasonably well, um, not ever having expected that, like, Eight months later, I would be a number one New York Times bestseller, which still sounds ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, life has changed quite a bit. Um, it's like the book is going places. It's being translated. Um, it just, the Dutch translation just released here in the, in the Netherlands. So I've been busy promoting that and Seeing the book in different languages is just absolutely bizarre and amazing. And it's just like, I don't know, I I don't feel that different. I'm still just a person with a laptop <laughs> working on stories whenever I can find the time. Um, but it's, it's obviously been a book that, that um, has garnered a lot of attention and... and um, raise my profile which sounds so weird to say <laughs> but <laughs> yeah uh, basically it's just people recognize it and talk about it and I get the most wonderful emails from readers um, who want to talk to me about it and, and all of that has been amazing and all the rest is basically just, just bonus uh, you actually just briefly touched on this in your last answer but what was it like seeing your name on the New York Times bestseller list for the first time Absolutely surreal. <laughs> <laughs> I like obviously 
hitting the times list is one of those like pipeline dreams for not necessarily and like every writer, but most of them, and definitely for me. But I hoped that that would maybe happen way way down the line, like in twenty years from now. <laughs> um, I honestly never expected it to happen and happen quite like this. So it's yeah, the first time I saw that was. Um, overwhelming and bizarre and obviously all of that happens very publicly on Twitter too, even while my agent and my editor were calling me. <laughs> um, and I, I basically just sat staring at my computer for quite a few hours, like trembling and giggling and, and, and not knowing how to wrap my mind around it. Um. I, I actually will say, since we had spoke before, I, I kind of actually had that same moment, like, as a secondary person who got to speak with you once, I was like this little, this little tiny, like, oh my gosh, look at that, I, I know that book, I, I, I've talked to that person, it was <laughs> such a really cool experience, so I can't even imagine Yay. for you what it must have been like. Um, so, your publisher, Sourcebooks, recently issued this, this is where it ends challenge, and it involved a lot of kind of special moments, and, and they made a hashtag for it. Um, can you maybe share some of your thoughts on on them promoting your title so heavily, and then what it meant to you hearing some of the anecdotes about students reading your book and, and wanting to talk about it with their teachers and their librarians? Oh, yeah, it's it's just been amazing. Um, like, I, I love being with Sourcebooks, and I love what they're doing for the book. Um, and... I mean, I I would have said the exact same thing um, had it not been a bestseller or anything like that, because from the moment that we started working on it together, I just felt like they got what I wanted to do with the book. And they really saw um, the necessity of bringing it to readers, but also inviting readers to talk about it and to open up that conversation and to um, well, think of ways to interact with the book and having seen those moments over the summer and, and people sharing photos and sharing experiences was just so again so overwhelming but in the most wonderful way um i as a reader i i'm continuously looking for books to inspire me and to like subtly change my life and um to know that this book and these words I wrote managed to do that for other people it was just absolutely in like absolutely amazing and yeah that's I think that's the reason at least for me why I I write and and why I want to share my stories and and to see that connection just meant the world to me um in our first episode with you, you talked a lot about this but for our new listeners and those who are new to your work would you mind discussing the importance of diversity in YA books? Oh yeah, sure. Um, like, um, I think for me, like diversity isn't even a question so much as it's an obvious, um, like aspect of life. I get asked a lot about the diversity in This Is Where It Ends because it has two queer girl um, main characters. It has Latina, Latino and Latina main characters. Um, the cast, um, sees a lot of 
different characters with different experiences from uh, different backgrounds, different ethnicities. So it's something that I wanted to do in creating this book was just to give a or create a slice of life, basically, and and give a sense of any high school anywhere, um, well, in, in the United States, obviously, but just give a sense of the variety and richness of the world around us. And I think that's incredibly important in, in, in books, but in YA books and, and uh, children's books in particular, because you're reaching out to readers who are still discovering themselves and discovering their place in the world. And I think that in doing so, we owe it to them to give them a place in, in the literary world as well and to make sure that every single reader is able to find themselves in a story in one way or another. But um, I think that representation matters so much and it's something that I, as a reader, was very much looking for um, when I was growing up. Um, I, I grew up disabled, so I'm still disabled, I'm queer, um, and I, I was always looking for ways to feel like the stories I read were written for me too. And in, in many cases, that just didn't feel that way because those few disabled characters there were ended up being healed by the end of the book um, or learned to love people and, and were then magically healed because obviously that's how disability <laughs> works. <laughs> And, and most queer characters ended up dying. So I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to be aware of, of those messages and of, of how harmful bad representation can be while writing my books. But I also want to encourage others to think of that as well and, and, and consciously work on positive and, and good representation. Because it, it, it really does change your life, almost, to see yourself reflected in a book and to see yourself, especially as a reader, um, to recognize yourself and, and recognize that you're allowed to be a hero and allowed to have adventures and, and you are allowed to have happily ever afters. That was really, really good. Agreed. Um, I loved. I, I almost forgot to ask you a question after that because I was just listening to you so intently. Um, we've had a number of other young adult authors come on to the show, and they all talk about how welcoming and supportive the young adult lit community is. Do you have any thoughts on that? Just other young adult writers and, and young adult readers—they all seem to be very much supportive of each other. It's in my experience, it's been such a wonderful community to um, be a part of and to become a part of, um, and it's something that I especially remember from like my first years of writing in English. I started out writing in Dutch, and I made the switch. I think by now about eight or ten years ago, um, which was incredibly intimidating because I wasn't writing in my native language um i didn't know anyone and and pretty much from the very first day it felt like an incredibly welcoming community where everyone's working towards getting the best books into the hands of um, children and teen readers and i think that 
that shared goal definitely influences the way um um well the, the supportiveness of the community as well because the wonderful thing about YA readers is that they they will read anything and everything so by um encouraging them to read you will only create more readers and you will only encourage them to read more which is something that we all benefit benefit from um so i think it's it's very much like the community as a whole is very conscious of the fact that um in in literature at least a rising fight lifts all boats um but i also think that it's a community that's very open to having discussions about things like representation and um, improving the books that we get out there. And I don't think it's flawless, but compared to other communities I've seen and, and I've been a part of, it's at the very least very constructive. And I hope that as time progresses, we'll be able to create more space for currently underrepresented, underrepresented voices in the community. So here at Overdrive, we have a lot of employees who enjoy reading YA titles, even if they're adults, myself included. Yeah, the two of us included. Um, why would you encourage older readers to continue reading YA stories and books? Oh, because they're so much fun. <laughs> That's a good... um, I, I yeah. pretty much exclusively read YA these days and, and a lot of um, children's literature too. But um, I, I love how intense YA gets and I love how it's... I love how there's so much possible within YA. Um and and I feel like again the diversity discussion is is one of many examples there. And while we're definitely not up to a point yet where representation is a given or is necessarily always good, um, I feel like YA as a category of books is is very open to different types of voices and different types of stories and and stories that skirt the line between different genres in a way that I don't see outside the Kidlet community as much. So in, in that sense, it's just way more exciting. And also I love how diverse the books are. Just looking at the types of books, you get like super exciting com commercial stuff and, and high-end literary stuff and gorgeous magical realism and everything in between. And I love it. And to kind of add to, to Jill's question and, and to your sentiment, why do you feel it's important for readers of all ages to read This Is Where It Ends? Oh, God, that's so hard to, <laughs> to say about your own book. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I would definitely encourage them to, but I have this knee-jerk reaction of also immediately suggesting other books to read. Um <laughs> Well, obvious, obviously, I quite like the book, but I'm very biased. So <laughs> I think it's, it's a book that helps you have conversations about um, identity and secrets and obviously about school shootings. And I think that 
given the current climate, that's a really important conversation to have. Um, because it, it honestly scares me how normalized shootings have become, um, both inside schools and outside of them. So I think it's important to be able to talk about that, especially in, in those, uh, communities where, um, it's, it's taken for, well, I don't want to say it's taken for granted, but it's not, there's no conscious discussion about what would happen if, and I think that it's important to be aware of that and to be aware of the dangers of, um, assuming it will, it, it will only happen to other people. Um, so in, in that sense, I think it's a conversation starter and, um, I think it's also a very exciting book. And if you like Heartbreak, you probably should read it. (laughs) So a lot of schools here in the United States are cutting arts programs as a means to save money, which is really horrible. (laughs) Because arts, um, be it writing or painting, they play such a huge role in helping students properly express their emotions. Do you have any thoughts on the importance of the arts as an outlet for students who are learning to process these new emotions for the first time? Oh, I I fully support arts education and I went to a very artsy high school and it's, it was the best decision I made because, um, obviously education as a whole is important, but I also think that being able to create and Fostering creativity is um, something that is important to all of us and is something that I would love to see more in 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 schools but also outside of them um, I think um, let me just figure out what I want to say exactly mm-hmm. but I think it's easy to forget the importance of um, well obviously arts and literature and 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 even just sitting taking a few hours away from whatever it is you're doing whether it's school or day job or um, things of importance um, again quote unquote importance um, <laughs> and and just enjoy Enjoy making stuff and enjoy creating and enjoy the freedom of expressing yourself in different ways and finding a good way to do that. Um, so it, whether that's as a means to deal with emotions or to find an emotional outlet or just as a way to relax or, um, you know, splatter paint on, on, <laughs> paper mm-hmm. or in my case ink on paper it doesn't have to be meaningful to be enjoyable and i think it's we're too easily focused on the things that are meaningful and and sometimes forget to just enjoy and to be and to center ourselves and then given that as you mentioned you know the, the subject of this is where it ends is both very serious and and topical what are your thoughts on the fact that 
you know, so many more people around the world will be discovering it and reading it as a part of our Big Library Read program. I'm so excited about that. Um, obviously, because I'm, I love libraries, I basically grew up in my local library because I've spent many days a week there and, and read through pretty much all their books. <laughs> um, so just in terms of accessibility, I'm so excited for that. And I'm also really excited to share these characters with readers and to share their story with readers and hope that it resonates with them in, in one way or another. Are you working on anything new right now? And if you are, can you talk about it? <laughs> uh, well, always, I'm, 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 I'm definitely always working on new stuff. Um, I'm currently editing a short story for um, an anthology edited by Jessica Spotswood, which is sort of a sequel anthology to her uh, Tyranny of Petticoats, which came out earlier this year. Um, publishing sort of messes with your sense of time. <laughs> <laughs> But it's uh, in, in my case, I'm I, I'm working on a story that that follows an autistic character, an autistic girl in 1920s Washington D.C. as she um, and she's super into into legalese and and the Supreme Court. And um, while she's there, she listens into um, Buxy Bell, which is a massive. Supreme Court case um, on um, eugenics and, and disabled life and um, basically what it means to be human and as she does that she also sort of falls in love so it's her finding her way in the world that's very much against her and, and finding out a way to deal with that and it was in, in terms of research it was harrowing to read about um Buxy Bell, but it was so much fun to discover this character and tell her story and have her uh, figure out who she is and, and who she wants to be, and even if she doesn't always, um, even if she doesn't feel like the world will let her be, she still tries to find her own way, and that was just great to write. Well, I... You you can count me as one of the many who Seriously. I cannot wait yeah. to read that. That sounds fantastic. Um, oh, thank you so much. Okay, so we have nine very lighthearted kind of rapid fire questions for you. We call them the Nerd Nine. So no pressure; these ones are oh, a lot no. easier than the other <laughs> questions. Um, what's the last book you finished? Uh, I just finished a Shadow Bright and Burning uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that was. Absolutely amazing. Um, Victorian England and, and magic and sorcerers. Nice. What is scary, your... Very, very oh. scary monsters. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite place to read? Um, anywhere. I don't really mind. I can, I can read and write anywhere, anytime. Um, so, yeah. That's perfect. Uh, do you have any guilty pleasures? Like, bad TV or a food you shouldn't eat, anything at all? <laughs> um, 
No, I, I, I think the closest I get to a guilty pleasure would be I love watching Great British Bake Off at the moment. <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> um, okay. Though, though I don't really feel guilty about that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> That's It's so good. Um, I know you're a world traveler, but what's one place you'd like to travel that you haven't yet been? To go to Japan at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I See, the tricky part is I actually hate flying. I really dislike planes. Uh-huh. Um, but I would love to go to Japan and, and see Kyoto and Tokyo and, and, oh God, everything. And brush up on my Japanese. Mostly that. <laughs> also, I'm going to cut myself off here. For readers who, who might not have heard our first episode, can you, would you mind sharing how many languages you speak? Because it's amazing. <laughs> Well, the speaking part gets harder and harder because I mostly end up speaking English and Dutch, but I I can read about a dozen, something like that. Um, and if you add in like ancient languages and old versions of German and English and Dutch, that number rises quite a bit. Uh, that will forever be the most amazing fact ever. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, back on track. Um, what is your favorite holiday? Oh, um, as in like Christmas type? Sure, holiday? any any holiday you celebrate, anything you like. Um, well, I I would I would have to say Christmas in that in that case because it's winter and cold and <laughs> I, I'm part vampire apparently. I hate the sun, so give me like <laughs> gingerbready things and <laughs> snow any day. Do you have a favorite movie? You can't ask me that. You can't ask me to choose. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect these to be the oh, hard questions. If, if I would have to, though, um, I would say a night's tale. Sure. Um, would you choose cats or dogs? Cats. Uh, favorite food? Ice cream. And then if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Good Marlowe. Oh, nice. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> um, finally, while our users are reading This Is Where It Ends, what do you hope they think about during the reading experience? My really tacky answer right now is the book. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I hope they'll just immerse themselves in it. And um, I think the experience of reading it will be different for every every single person, and that's perfectly okay. But I hope they take away a sense of hope, at least. That's perfect. And I will say, as someone who has read your book multiple times, I can't wait for people all around the world to discover it. It's so fantastic. Marie, thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.